0: And welcome everyone to another episode of hundred uh, days and beyond and in the the addition to our hundred days and beyond podcast which is the fractional CMO marketing leadership um, podcast where we talk to what I think are our marketing specialists people that have proven themselves in the in the marketing industry because we 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 use this as an extension of the of the uh, hundred days and beyond podcast which is a more about mergers and acquisitions many times the MA fraternity and the and the people within the space around buying selling growing and developing businesses need marketing and marketing leadership and and as a work stream within the um, MA space marketing leadership is tantamount a brilliant uh way of actually growing and developing and and, and capturing value in terms of um uh, M&A work and, and and buying and developing new businesses when we look at individuals that that take part in specific industries and, and we've covered quite a few industries already in our podcast but today I think specifically I don't think we've covered anybody yet in the in, in the fashion space and and Adam today welcome Adam. Hi, hey Dudley thank you for having me yeah thank welcome and uh, and adam today is going to cover um what i think is a is, is a is a very important part of of the the world of business and so on although although it's very much a marketing based uh, podcast we we talk uh, about marketing leadership in 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 the context of of business growth value creation and not only that for for companies who are in this particular industry but but more so for consumers for people making use of and 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 developing their, their abilities um, around talking to consumers and and being able to engage directly so welcome adam adam is um is ned coo founder uh based in london uh, which is which is fantastic um, I love the way that that you come across you we, in your first line of your of your LinkedIn profile, Adam. You talk about bright, articulate, capable, and committed. I love that. Yeah, I wrote that <laughs> myself. Obviously, that's brilliant. I love that, and yeah. that, that that that's it's a great way to start. So you got commercially strong, problem solving, and and I want to cover some of your specialities and so on. Adam, you got an incredible career, and I wonder if you could sort of go through from the start, sort of how did you get into it? Was this your passion when you started? Was this something that you really want to get into? Is this something that developed over, over time?
1: Well, um, I suppose as we as we get through our careers, we spend quite a lot of time kind of post-rationalizing why we are here and doing what we're doing. And I think if I, if I look at why I'm doing what I'm doing now, I can go back to university. I was doing a degree in medical sciences at the University of Southampton. Uh, and I left there to go and do a much more detailed uh, postgraduate course at the University of Birmingham in uh, neuropharmacology. And whilst I was there, um, I I say yes to everything by the way, and whilst I was there, I was asked to to get involved in building a website for the department I was working in, I said, yeah, absolutely delighted to do that. So I did that, and I became very interested very quickly in how you can influence um, people's behaviour and groups of people's behaviour from a single point. So, from the website that we built, we were able to deliver out information into the world, and then that would have an effect on the people that were reading it. And I became fascinated in that. And when you look at post-rationalising things, my the neuropharmacology degree that I was doing was based on um, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases. So I was learning how and why people forget and i guess over the last 20 or so years we've kind of changed that into flipping into learning about how and why people remember things so i i love the, the mechanic i love the industry of advertising and marketing i love engaging with people and i love creating stories and environments that people remember and, and that's what we do
0: yeah i love that because it's um i mean your your background is is pharmacology um and it's a i mean you've got a bsc in 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 pharmacology and 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 I'm just gonna I'm gonna say that that's I suppose if if you look at um that transition from understanding sort of the a specific niche and then being able to convey and develop a message around what what needs to go because it's there are two aspects in marketing i mean you you may or may not agree but there's obviously the technical aspect which you know developing a website you've got to do html and php and css and all these other acronyms and 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 so on and all the technical things around it and and also being able to reach your audience and in multiple platforms but on the other side it's the messaging it's sort of. It's not just. It's about being that wordsmith, being that having the ability to communicate, not just in words but in visual form um, as well. So, where where would you say is sort of what what, what appeals to you more? Or are they sort? Is there a combination of the two?
1: Okay, the, the, I'd, I'd add a third element into that, um, which is the data. So, uh-huh. I think actually thinking about it, the data links my 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 previous path with my current path in that you know any, anything that you would be doing in, in research is purely about the data that will inform the next decisions that you do and certainly marketing should be data focused um know yeah, we use focus groups to to pull in qualitative data you can do quantitative data to understand how and why people are behaving with things so i, I would add that in there as well it also leads into The stream of the industry that I'm particularly interested in and I'm particularly interested in how, where and why people engage with potential commercial advertising messages. Mm -hmm. So really when it comes down to it, I'm a media man. Um, I like finding where the connection can be made between a brand and the consumer.
0: Yeah, because if I look at your specialities and, and I want I want to touch on that because I think that's that's some of the things that sort of stood out for me when, when before we I, I mean we had a quick conversation before the podcast, but also uh, when I was looking through your profile in that. I mean, you talk about creating bespoke deals for advertisers, understanding the consumer, media evaluation, launching brands, consumer behavioral research, media training trading. Leading high-performance teams, etc. But it's all about. I think you're right. It is about the data, isn't it? It's is about understanding that, plus also the the behavioral elements to it. Because you you obviously got trigger response. You've got various things which either elicit some kind of uh, attention from your audience, uh, and then being able to engage the audience. And 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 I'm guessing the data helps you with that. Is it? Is that sort of where you where you lean towards? Yeah, completely.
1: So um, as as you get into your careers, you you learn more, you experience more, you understand more and the gut feeling that you can have on why and how you want people to behave, um, is a great broad brushstroke in, in terms of building out a plan, but it has to be underpinned with research, with data, with facts. Otherwise it's just another opinion.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of opinion out there and I, and I like your, I like your, um, your approach, then, I think, it's probably part of your your value system, where you talk about evangelizing transparency. Um, I and I, I, I mean, it, there's 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 always this. I suppose that it, when you talk about a salesperson or someone in marketing, it's like, yes, yeah, someone is, is a bit of manipulation and a bit of, you know, it could be sort of what we call. We need, I mean, in the old days we used to call it snake oil tactics, the 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 used car salesman type yeah. of environment. Um, but it's become a real science now and, and I think there, there is a, a almost a, an obligation from marketing and sales people but especially marketing leaders to be transparent Tell us about how you came about that as a as a what, what you call your one of your specialities
1: so the, the the transparent part transparency part rather is was formed out of um, opaque and potentially misleading supply chains in digital media. So very basically, um, to deliver an impression out to a consumer, you would book something on a, on a DSP, a demand side platform, campaign would run through that, it would go through an exchange, it would be delivered through a supply side platform onto websites and ultimately out to the consumers. Now that's a supply chain of, of maybe four or five intermediaries. What you then started having introduced into that were blind, opaque networks that were trading, impressions without the knowledge of the advertiser at the very beginning so everybody loses out in that instance the advertiser doesn't get what they're thinking that they're getting the media owner isn't getting paid fairly for any um, activity that's running on their websites and everybody loses and that's only ever that was only ever possible because the supply chain was opaque so i became very very concerned about the transparency and and what we were doing and what we were planning and how we were presenting media solutions to clients were they actually being delivered? So to deliver that, we needed to to put a, a stamp for transparency on it on everything we do, and we we are fully open, fully disclosed. We are you know we are consultative in our approach with our clients and we make recommendations on what the right tech stack needs to be. But ultimately, if everybody along that supply chain is acting in the interest of the client to do the right thing by them, um, by changing the behavior or shipping product, then hopefully we're in the right place. But we all have to be aligned to do that
0: yeah so so you you what do you if if i take a a day in the life of of adam so sort of what what does that look like because uh, you, you, you you i'm guessing there's there's quite a lot of aspects to what you do and how you do it give us a sort of a taster of of what what your life is like in in your space
1: well i'm i'm afraid a a, a day in the life of is um I, that any day that i would pick would be very different to any other day but certainly, um, days tend to kick off with um, making sure that everything that we have live at the moment is working, um, seeing if there are any anomalies in any of the data that we're seeing through from results of the day before. Um, if there are, we're flagging it immediately to clients and all hmm. the media owners as to finding out how and why certain things have happened. Um, but increasingly so, we're in the data all the time to make sure that the, the plans that we believed in and then backed up with research and data are actually being delivered exactly as they should be. So there's quite a lot of that. Um, We are in high aggressive growth mode as as a business at the minute. So there are an awful lot of um, new business conversations going on and there are an awful lot of team building conversations going on. Um, It's fair to say that in the, the early days of any business, you know, every day is Exciting and terrifying, and amazing any equal <laughs> um, But the the content of any particular day is about vastly different to any other. Um, we're just always on, really.
0: Tell, tell tell me a little bit more about that because that that that's fascinating to me for for people to have. I mean, if I look at your career, you've gone, <clears throat> you've. It's almost like you've been in a learning and experiential career uh, to a certain extent, and you almost like that. the the challenging aspects of it because you're putting yourself out there a lot (laughs) yeah
1: well as I said at the beginning you know I I love the industry sorry do excuse me I do have a a little bit of a cold here today but um I love the industry that we're in I I think it's I think it's a perfect balance of science Mm -hmm. and creativity um and you know you using using getting those two in balance delivers great things for clients but what i've what i've done over the course of my career is to to learn as much about the industry as possible so that i could deliver on what i always wanted to do which was to run my own business um and that's what we're doing um and that's what passion is passion is a media agency that we set up um in actually set it up properly in march 2022 but came up for air in june of this year and you know i'm knocking on wood as i'm saying this i hope it's not interfering with the sound but it's um it's going pretty well Uh, i'm very happy with where we are at the moment as i say we're in aggressive growth in every area that we look at at the business and i think i think we've got our positioning right
0: so so what made you take that leap because um we we've just literally come out of a pandemic. We've I mean, if you look at the the state of the world at the moment, it's in I don't know if it, if it, if it's an under understatement, but it's in flux. <laughs> and yet you 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 are out there, um, you know, making a decision to go in and establish a new a media company. Obviously, you've got a lot of uh, experience and knowledge and a network and so on that's that's come with it. But, but what 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 was sort of what's the what got you to to say, okay, well, this is it. I'm I'm going out and now as opposed to <laughs> previously you waiting a little bit. <laughs>
1: so I, I, th- I think you've actually used the the magic word there, which was pandemic. Um, and what happened in pandemic is everything changed. So um, you know, people's work days changed from, from being a, a slave to the commute, going in and out London or wherever every day, to being able to work from home. Um, the money that people use changed. You know, we saw a rise and indeed a bit of a fall of cryptocurrencies, but their adoption came into um, mainstream. We saw um, businesses outsourcing talent and relying on different things. It, it basically changed everything. What I also think is that it, it changed the way that people thought think about their wants and needs in the world. Um, I think the world became more cautious and more conservative in their spending habits. So you know, the needs were met rather than the wants. And what I thought that, that then, then gave us was an opportunity to, to launch a business without any legacy trading issues, without any legacy process, but that was born out of The change in behavior that the pandemic forced upon the public and if we can meet and deliver against that then um we were doing the right thing in a very contemporaneous manner um for our clients and and that's what we thought the opportunity was to do it because everything changed
0: yeah everything changed and 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 i think in the in in the marketing space and the media space um we seeing this uh this effect of polarization um we're seeing um people l- either losing or gaining identities that that may or may not conflict with reality sometimes yeah. we, we we're seeing a whole lot of changes in in the market space and and it's it's i think creating besides a chaotic environment but it's also creating opportunity and i and and, I, and I, w- I want to congratulate you for taking that leap and, and actually doing it. What's Thank really you. interesting out of your, and, and and not many people probably focus on, on these things, unless you've actually done these tests yourself, but um, we've got the Clifton Strengths, and we've got, um, what's it, the, uh, is it Kobe, and you've got the Myers-Briggs, and I see you've done the, the Myers-Briggs one, and what was really interesting that stood out for me was, you're an entj and and yeah. and the it says it says entj and when i did a bit of research on that is one of the least common types in the population and I'm the sorry. rarest the rarest type among women <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> so what
0: what what stood out for me there was strategic logical efficient outgoing ambitious independent effective organizers of people and long range planners so if if I if you know that's just a a, a little snippet. Tell us a Tell us about that the the test. Why did you do it? And and has has that sort of the understanding of of who you are? Has that helped you in in, in your in your career?
1: I think so. Um, so the I, I I do like the test and, and I like the outcome. And it's been a while since I've visited the description of it. So so thank you for reminding me of that. That sounds great. Um, the what I what I like about it, and the reason that I use it, if I put it front and center in um, in my with description of me. Then you you know exactly what I am from an independent test, um, rather than reading through and, and getting my opinion of of who and how I work. Um, so that's what I did with that. I think it also explains. Um, an awful lot of behaviors um, when you when you kind of understand the, the makeup of other people's personalities of how and where you're going to be able to work better, um, where things need work on, where relationships may need some, some progress. I think having a, a description of it is, is very helpful for doing that and ultimately, you know, we're we're all in marketing together and we're in a people industry mm. it's about understanding how and why people work the way that they do, which gets us on. So I think um, in terms of efficiency, which is one of the things that you said, putting my, my description front and centre aids efficiency mm. massively, I'd hope.
0: I love that. And and I think having the confidence of sharing that, um, and I'm I'm guessing you also get uh, drawn to other people with energy, ambition, long range, uh, future, understanding um, that uh, there's a connection between sort of similar types. Yes. But there's also a value in trying to work with people who might not be the same as you to, completely. to almost bring you back into sort of a, let's call it more of a balanced view of, of life, because sometimes if you're too forward thinking, you actually don't think about the now, do you find yeah. yourself doing that sometimes?
1: Oh, completely. Um, which again, is why it's really useful to have a um, an, an audited personality type, if you like. Mm. So when we're building out teams, we, we know that we should not be looking at uh, clones of ourselves you know, for many reasons we need to have multiple, um, perspectives on problems. You know, we, we, we need multiple d- backgrounds, diversity, etc., mm-hmm. to be able to fil- build out a fully rounded team. Um, and, and, ha- and having kind of Myers-Briggs, qualifications uh, qualification or categorizations, rather helps them. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you do that with your team? Do you actually get them to do the, the test as well? Or is that still, still on the horizon? It's on the horizon. <laughs> we, we, we haven't actually
1: done it yet um but it's certainly something that as we build out um it will be really useful to to stop conflict drifting into growing business
0: yeah I've I've found I've seen with teams that um do these kinds of tests I mean they're as as we know there're quite a few of them the Colby sorry the one is Colby not Kobe Colby Clifton strengths uh myers Briggs and and so on but um i think what i'm really enjoying about the, the the working the working environment these days and building up of teams is is especially being more focused on on strengths and and less focused on weaknesses and 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 on on the things that you can't do and rather build teams around what 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 forms or creates and and i don't want to use a cliche but i mean i'm going to pff, um, but it, the word synergy and the, the 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 ability to bring people's strengths together to get a much better outcome at the end, there's a big drive towards rather doing that. I remember being at school um, and you get home and you got a report card and and. Uh, Everything else is sort of good marks, and you go one one subject you didn't do very well at, and that's the one that uh, that was focused on, and that the one like you better improve that one. It's like, but hey, wait a minute, I did I did okay with the others, so um, and I'm 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 really enjoying that that shift in saying, look, there are things that you're just not good at, or you just don't have the passion or the energy for let's focus on the places that you can actually excel in. and 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 that awareness i think has has been quite uh good from a uh, you know from it, speaking to so many people as well um and and seeing that that has got such a positive impact what, uh, what you know what, would you think that is that is the correct way i mean is that something you want to develop in your in your organization
1: to develop synergistic skills and to pull the skills out. Yeah, absolutely, You know, we we, we want to make sure that, that, that we're doing the right thing for our clients and to be able to do that, we, we need to have multiple perspectives on things. Um, there are many right answers, um, not just the one that we come to, to quickly and it, it needs to be considered for multiple people to be able to do that. So, so yeah, and, and, but I would also think that that should be something that everybody's doing. It's um, getting the balance right.
0: It, it, it's crucial. It's crucial. And, and it's difficult also, I think, sometimes when you when you have a certain, uh, let's say, personality profile um, and you need to pitch for work because that's what you're doing a lot of at the, at the moment. I mean, you, you're putting out proposals and you're yeah. talking about who and what you are and what you can do and how you can help benefit people and so on. And then you might come up with up against someone who's potentially more, uh, entirely different to you. Let's say on yeah. the opposite side of the of the <laughs> of the continuum. Um, dealing with the objections that come that you may or may not have thought of. T- tell us a bit about that sort of thinking process. How do you how do you handle that? I mean, you're a guy with a great experience and you've got a you've got a great career behind you. So t- t- tell me a bit about that whole proposal process that you go through and, and how you prepare and, and-, and pitch.
1: So, the, uh, so I sigh here because the, we, we, everybody in our industry goes through an awful lot of um, you know, RFPs and, and delivering proposals out to clients. Now, the, the really good ones are the ones where we are able to, as a business, express ourselves and to showcase the work that we do and how and why we do it but within a pretty prescriptive manner. So this is what success looks like. This is exactly when we want to go. This is how we want to get there. This is the, these are the, the pressures that our business have. This is the warehousing that we have. You know, the more information that we get is great, but being told exactly what success looks like at the very beginning is absolutely paramount. Mm-hmm. Now, that should be something that is delivered in the information from whatever personality type that the, the you are into to your potential supplier. Where it isn't means that we spend an awful lot of time guessing what the right thing should be and that's not right. That, that, that doesn't mm. produce work that is going to be successful or correct and actually turns out being quite a bit of a waste of time because we're not going to get the, the, the prescription at the very beginning. Then we're also not going to get the feedback at the very mm. end as to why it's not right. So within the RFP process, they work perfectly if we are fully aware and fully agreed on exactly what needs to be done and what it needs to be looked like. But the more important thing in that is the feedback at the end. So we can learn and we can develop and we can understand. Because exactly, you're right, there'll be objections from people that we haven't considered, but we need to know exactly what they are to be able to improve and develop as a business. So if we get that, it's great.
0: Get we that sort of that preemptive advantage. advantage because you you actually understand um, because you've done it quite a few times already. You sort of prepare for that type of thing. I think an RFP process, if 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 I just think of of the the, the ones I've been involved in <laughs> over over my career, um, can be pretty difficult because because RFP generally is is a written document or it's a format and you get a, an opportunity potentially just to present. And you end up being on the corridor. Let's call it with all the other yeah. uh, the competitors in in for that particular piece of work. So, what what would you say differentiates um, uh, you know your your organisation? I love the the name, the fashion. I, I think it's uh, it's well it's well thought through. So, tell us how you differentiate yourself and and and? Uh, and put yourself, you know, your own personality, etc. But how do you make yourself to be the 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 one that sort of stands out? Uh, let's sort of, is more top of mind than 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 your opponents. Let's call it your competition. So
1: thank you, and, and thank you, name You know, we, we spent a long time thinking about the the, the positioning and, and and how we were going to identify it. the to, to answer your question. We're, we're in a particularly lucky position at the minute. Firstly, the industry shows a lot of love and interest to startups. Um, If there's something interesting and something new, um, generally people feel that they want to have something to do with it or want to know what's going on. So we feel that there's there's an automatic kind of uplift in in the interest in in our business anyway. But the, the real thing that we're very lucky about is that all of the business that we're working on at the moment has been recommended to us it's been recommended to us by people that we've got long existing trading relationships with who know how we work know the way we work um and we've done successful things for them previously so so fortunately you know we 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 launched into a difficult space but we launched into a difficult space with a lot of friends of passion who helped us get going
0: no I love that I think that that's absolutely brilliant And if I look at your um your uh some of the other items on your on your LinkedIn profile um what what stood out for me as well uh, in addition to all the other things is is this um where you talk about embracing new technology now now technology is changing constantly how do you how do you how do you stay or maintain um besides sort of doing your day-to-day activities how do you sort of stay cutting edge I mean just staying on top of of the changes and developments and 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 the way things are moving and and even consumer behavior that's changing so rapidly um although it stays the same it does the a lot of the formats do change and and this is probably the conundrum that we sit in as from a marketing point of view so just let's talk around technology itself you know what what have you seen over the last in in your career over the last few years especially recently where things are going so the, the there's an awful lot more measurement
1: in place um and whilst this can be a good thing because you you certainly want to know that everything that you're doing is doing what it's supposed to be doing i think that we get into a bit of a um conundrum when we're potentially measuring things for measurement's sake now um, I won't go into any complexities of various supply chains, but I, I do I do feel that the industry likes a shiny new thing. Uh, and that shiny new thing is not always linked into the performance of a campaign from a client's perspective. It might optimize part of a supply chain, but it shouldn't really come into conversations in marketing, um, marketing teams, unless it's actually affecting the work that they need done. Um, So so I see a lot of that, and I see a lot of over-complication of things and potentially over-intermediation of of supply chains. But having said that, there are a lot of really wise insights that come out of it. So Mm -hmm. we're able to measure the, on a very basic level, we're able to measure the amount of ads that are actually seen online. Um, We're able to measure the audiences that make up, the uh, campaigns that are being delivered, and this is all absolutely Mm -hmm. valid and important stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm beginning to waffle. I feel in in, in my, in my um, no, but it's a
0: it's a great answer because what what I'm finding, and I think you you really hit the nail on the head there. There's 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 almost a bit too much information, and, and sometimes the emphasis is put probably at the wrong at the wrong end of the thing. So I mean, as a simple example, um, as a as a sort of a startup business owner yourself now. Um, you're looking at um, look, how do I generate new work? So it's you don't need a massive, let's say digital marketing campaign. what you what you what you can do is you can build out on your network. You can go in and 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 build further relationship. You could be attending meetings, take people for coffee for lunch. You know all the the standard sort of non-technology things yeah, probably value you more you're trying to do measurement in terms of how many people saw your ad for, for for fashion agree
1: completely agree so so from 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 when we're looking at our our business the the human touches work far better than having any kind of um crm database in play so you're, you're absolutely right you know and it kind of goes back to, to what i said at the beginning that you know we're, we are a people industry and you know, working with people gets the decisions done. Um, so I, I'm much more interested in a, in a coffee and a chat, and really understanding what the issues at hand actually are, rather than sending out cold emails to a database of people that may or may not be warm leads. So,
0: no, I love I love that, and I, and I think I think as I mentioned, so just as things change, much of it stays the same. So a lot of the core concepts and principles in terms of human behavioral psychology and that stays the same. It's just that I think there's just a proliferation of choice. There's unfortunately there's there's a lot of noise out there, and and for marketing um, people especially when you go and pitch for new work, is your clients and and the people that you work with are trying to themselves to rise above the clutter and and all that of all the noise, and sometimes just just having a a wise a wise person, a wise head in the room sitting down and saying, guys, you know what, there's a lot of noise out there. Let's let's focus on the things that are that are important. What what would you say though those are now as 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 organizations move forward, especially in the fashion industry? Sorry,
1: the things that are important. Hmm. Okay. So the, the the objectives by by each brand will change, but they will all ultimately be driven back to sales so we we need to have front and center that is everything that we're doing going to change the results from a client's point of view into the amount of revenue that they make for what we do and we have mm-hmm. to keep considering that but i think potentially certainly as you get further down the supply chain that that is the eyes taken off that somewhat so that needs to be certainly something that we're doing. But also, you know, we, we, we need to be experts in, and actually, you mentioned it earlier on, that you know, things, things are changing, and consumer behaviour is changing, and every, everything is in a state of flux, potentially, but we need to be able to decipher what that actually means build out um, consumer behavioral profiles and then bring those back to clients to be able to say that, look, yeah, you know, I know that you still need to be doing this, but there are certain other things that you need to be focusing on to help drive that that you may not have been beforehand. So sustainability is quite rightly become front and center in the conversations of the industry. And there are certain industries that are less sustainable in the way that they behave than others, and they need to do mm-hmm. things to address that because not only will it have an immediate effect on their business, but they also have a long-term effect on their business as consumers become more in tune to what they're doing and what its effects are on the planet. So um, I think that answers it. <laughs>
0: mm. No, it does, and and it also raises uh, additional things because now you've got so many more outlets. You've got so many more ways of making sales, and, and when I look at... Um, you know, I, I, I happened across this the other day, and uh, on on TikTok, and, and these people are selling. They've got their own stores. They're creating on. I think they they live. I think it feels like it's twenty four hours a day, but it's it's a shopping channel like we knew on TV from, from years back, that just carried on and on and on and selling stuff. Now it's on, on social media, the outlet, the, the, the the distribution is different. There's also seems to be a proliferation of sort of knockoff brands or knockoff um, or let's call it uh, uh, branded material. That's not actually legitimate. (laughs) I don't know how to say (laughs) And there's a lot of that stuff happening. Um, and also um, in terms of high streets, you know, the high street has changed in mm-hmm. terms of the, the, the way that consumers see fashion, how they experience it. Uh, and also a lot of the department stores, as we know, have also changed in terms of the way that they engage and interact with their customers. I mean, an example, obviously it's in the U.S., but. Um, I watched a, a documentary around Macy's, for instance. I mean, Macy's as a as a as a store. I mean, it's, I think it's one of the biggest ones in in the U.S. Yeah. How they've how they've started, um, how they've had to change the way that they that they sort of make the the customer experience different, yeah. other than just a transactional thing. So do you have to take that stuff into account when you when you're yeah, of the
1: so th- 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 there's a lot to unpack in what you've just said there so so yes you know that the, the high street has changed and the high mm-hmm. street will continue to change for for a very long time and we will see every business that is on a high street at the minute gradually drifting into having an online service and I would imagine that over the course of time that the online services for each of the businesses on the high street will be a significant, sh- a more significant share of revenue to them than the actual bricks and mortar outlets. So yeah, that, that that change is happening. Mm. Um, you did touch on something else there that, that I'm particularly fascinated with at the minute in that the, the difference between um, high street retail and online retail is becoming more and more pronounced for me. now. We used to go into HMV and you spend time running through records and, and having a bit of serendipity and discovering things that might have been you know, not really in my mind, but kind of close to, to where I was, mm-hmm. and there would be the odd purchase that would come from there. I don't feel that you can have a genuine discover moment um, in an online shopping environment. You know Then mm-hmm. there, are, there are algorithms at play that are making recommendations to me that, that don't understand my musical taste, and don't really resonate to me and kind of annoy you a little bit when you get them. That, that needs to be addressed over the course of time. We'll, we'll be understanding that more. But what I really see is even the most successful online retailers at the minute have very generic shops. Um, they're largely built on like a, a Shopify kind of framework Mm-hmm. They're very uh, modular, um, it's set out in a grid layout. There's a white background with, with strong emphasis on each of the products there's the price underneath them and they largely look the same. So where you used to be able to differentiate as a retailer online by having your colour, your smell, your environment, the way that people are trained to talk to you, to welcome you into the store, et cetera, you know where the tills are and where, you know, the whole retail experience. Is not replicated online, so there's there's a there's a huge opportunity for somebody to get it really right by being able to deliver existing brand values from a high street into an online environment.
0: Yeah, That's I just I just um, I know it's not fashion, but um, you know the 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 cinnabun smell when you walk into a um, into a store and they've got a cinnabun um, uh, you know busy baking yeah. away there. You know, you just don't get that online, do you? And, and, and even, even if you look at, uh, again, it's not fashion, but it could work very well be, but Apple and Apple stores, you know, this whole thing about rolling out the ability to have the tacit uh, experience. And, 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 I, and I like your word discover because I'm finding there's a big gap because you can scroll and I think there was a stat I heard there I don't know how true it is, but people are scrolling uh, on average 280 meters per day. the, the average person scrolls wow. that that distance you know far 280 meters is to scroll yeah. but but the discover space is is there's nothing nicer than going out and and, and experiencing something and you know touching it and, and, and yeah, absolutely
1: Can, completely agree and, and almost finding things by mistake. Um, which is a a, a kind of, maybe this is something for for us, uh, given that we're in the industry, but certainly it feels much more pleasurable if it's it's something that I feel in control of rather than something being subject to an algorithm that, you know, you bought that CD or or, or that record, this is what everybody else bought. That doesn't really excite me.
0: Yeah, I had I had a client some uh, some years back, and and there was something he said, and it it stuck with me. And that's that's uh, something about y- humans. And and I mean, you you you've touched on sort of behavioral psychology, but there's something special about humans. And and that's and that's what what is is the is the memory of moments. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's moments that make up your life. It's it's those special times where you spend a bit of time with your family. Uh, or you go and discover something, and then you come home and share it. I mean, what, there's nothing. Yeah. You know, if if you go on 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 holiday, and for the for the for the Americans, if they go on vacation, um, you know, you go out and you, if you go alone, it's not the same as going with somebody, with a friend, with a partner, or so on, and experiencing it together with someone else. It's that whole discovery and the ability to share. Yeah. if you have a shopping experience and you are able to get something, find something and say, "Wow, this is what I found today, go home and share that experience. the for me the 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 value increase is much higher than than something arrives at the door, you know in the in the in the cardboard box and it's like, yeah. oh, you know this is what I've got and like you know okay, well, that's that's all very enough. Um, I don't know what your what your comment is on that because I want to touch on a on a slightly different um, uh, type of business model that seems to have been quite successful. Um, but what's your what's your view on the whole discover the the moment that whole the, the human experience?
1: So um, I, I agree with you completely. Now, if, if we look at my daughter, she's thirteen years old. Um, she's just getting interested in, in going shopping, and she'll spend time in our local town shopping with her mates at the weekend. She is far more excited to be out and about in person with her mates um, than spending time when she has free time at home in shopping online. So I, I completely agree, and it's about that shared moment, and it's about um, everybody uh, endorsing what you're buying, so that you know that it's been, you know, it's been kind of tested by other people before you even put it in your your shopping bag. Um, I don't really think that you get that in an online environment. So I, I tend to agree with
0: what you say. It's very very difficult and and but but on the on the flip side and this was years ago I mean we're talking I don't know 10 12 10 years ago Zappos you remember Zappos the shoe store the online shoe store um, what this guy had done and he 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 started entirely for for women's shoes an entirely on, online store before it was a big thing Mm -hmm. or that bigger thing um where women now you would imagine you would need to try on a pair of shoes surely you'd need you would need to get a get a sense of of what they like and get uh, the the fabric the um, or whatever the material the and so on and get a you know at least sort of get a sense of what it looks like on your feet now they started they didn't even have a retail environment um I don't know if you if you have come across that, that the story of, of Zappos. Um was it Zappos? No, I don't remember. I remember
1: Boo.com, which was the, the, the online trainer store, which had some really interesting graphics that you could see it all around and, and it looked amazing, but you couldn't but, experience it. But
0: what, what these guys had done is that they had worked out that the, 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 the tacit experience is still required, and, and I wanted to get your, your view on that. And this was that what they encourage women to do, and they tend to, to sell more, <laughs> is they encourage women to, to go in and and select a few more pairs than they would normally select, get them delivered, and the ones they don't want, they can return for free. Right. So, <laughs> so from a marketing point of view, they ended up almost doubling the amount of shoes they sold because many people didn't necessarily send Rice. them back yeah. Um, um, so t- tell me a bit about that, and, as you know, from a from us from a behavioural point of view, and 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 your view on that as a as an approach. I don't know if they still exist. I mean, I I can't tell you that, but it was just an interesting concept. So
1: so th- 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 there's a couple of things in there as well. So we are seeing that uh, returns of products online are far higher than they are for people buying things in store. And you're quite right, you know, online retailers are, are allowing consumers the ability to buy five or six different sizes, or shapes of a dress, or a jumper, or whatever it might be. And they're sending the others back. Now, that's not really a sustainable model for the, the brand in the first place, because of the cost of re-warehousing, of recycling, of and maybe even re and presenting the clothes that are being sent back, cannot be delivered within a mechanic that also includes free returns. So it's kind of a, a crazy behavior that we're doing. If we are expecting to be behaving as individuals in the interest of the planet, then buying six versions of something and sending five back does not do that.
0: At all. It's not a sustainable model. And, and again, it, it does interfere with environment, environmental impact uh, and obviously a lot of waste. Yes, um, hugely than... it, 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 it's hugely wasteful.
1: It's massively wasteful from, a, from the, from the the retailer's point of view, if if they are getting uh, what five out of six items that they are selling are being returned, it's no, it's not good.
0: Yeah, and no, I'm loving that. Thank you, thank you for that. Because so, I, I I agree with that. I think that's that's just that's just um, crazy. And the other thing is that that sizes are difficult to see online. <laughs> so when when things arrive. You know, you bought yourself, I don't know, a book or, I don't know, a key ring or I don't know, whatever it is. And it arrives and it's a, either a lot smaller, or a lot bigger. Or well, the sizes in terms of, of of clothing, you know, extra large for one uh, manufacturer is not the same as extra large for another. <laughs> no, it,
1: it, it, it's, it's not. Um... No, you're absolutely quite right. You know, there are multiple sizing conventions, um, and it creates confusion. But which then then um, kind of results in more things being sent back.
0: So just as we come, I mean, we 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 a few minutes away from from the end. Now, and I just I want to just touch on something a little bit more technical, and that's um, what I see is is me, the media evaluation. So so walk us through a process of. Cause you talk about the supply chain and maybe if you can just expand a bit on that and tell us about this media evaluation. What is what does that entail? What do you what do you evaluate it? So what's your criteria? How do you how do you go about doing that?
1: So so one of the the great things that happened with businesses moving online is that the analytics for online are far more immediately available than they are for in-store redemption mechanics. So what we can see is if we run a spot on TV, um, we know the audience pretty quickly that it's being delivered against, and then we can look into the analytics on site to see whether or not it matches to a spike of activity in terms of sessions online, but then even more interestingly, whether that turns into a spike of activity of people purchasing, or even better still, first-time purchases. So we're able to see that in a far more um, timely manner than we were ever able to see anything like that previously, and and that's brilliant. And that's where we start coming into the the analysis and the attribution of media. But we want to make sure that all of the media that we're using in a media mix for a client are contributing to an increase in awareness, an increase in sessions, an increase in purchase, an increase in first-time purchase. Those, those are the four things that we we really want to be able to drive and we can do that with attribution models.
0: So 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 let's let's take it back to that RFP process that, that, that we spoke about earlier. Um, you haven't had the data yet you haven't had the opportunity yet to to collect data or run a test or and so on but now you're doing an an rfp um with um, probably a few competitors for a particular let's say product launch or a um or an existing product and so on how do you how do you evaluate that because you haven't actually had exposure yet maybe for a particular product region uh demographic or whatever it is the uh, the analytics around that how do you how do you how you man how do you manage to balance sort of a i think you spoke about a, a few assumptions that you had to make but do you, is that is that pretty much your process or do you go based on on a lot of your probably past experience i'm guessing that's where your your wealth of experience comes in uh, to play
1: well the the less specific a brief is, the more we have to rely on experience in answering it. But, but what we always do is when we're talking to a, a business or a, new, a potential new client, the, the first thing, one of the first things that we ask for is access into Google Analytics or whatever their analysis suite is, so that we can dig into the data. And we can start seeing um, trends and behaviors that we may be able to exploit in in the marketing. Um, it's really important that we get a strong understanding of what a business is doing as a baseline without advertising before we can start building a model of what advertising might look like for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. So so I want to just sort of just change a, bit i want to I want to go now into into your business fashion and I want to talk about, you and, and and your activities and so on and i and i've noticed that that you've got various the uh, there's publications so there's jobs and games there's the marketing blog marketing week media week ign and talk talk sports sign cross platform ad deal um and all that so, i mean tell us a little bit about those your exposure to that and and and, and your experience around these these different publications so to,
1: you have chosen some of the things that we've had out as as articles or pieces, you know, maybe this marketing piece that, that we wrote on um, festivals and the talk sport thing that we did was about a cross deal that we, we'd done from, from IGN. I think it's quite important to, to be, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons. There's obviously an ego thing. You, you you When you do good work, you want to be able to talk about good work and show it to other mm. people. But also, you know, it's a, there's, there's a new business element in there that if we are doing interesting things and they are in the public domain, then we mm. want to be able to share them so that we can do more of that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm loving that because I think, I think there's, there's value in, and I and I want to talk, talk to you about the, the, the content because you've got various honors awards. You've got a uh, winner of a sales team of the year, media team of the year uh, and, and so on and 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 these days, uh, I think in terms of the, the let's call it the customer journey, you know, when people buy things, you know, there's obviously brand does count, reputation counts, reviews count a lot more now than than in the past, um, and 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 so on. But but for yourself as a startup business, I mean, you started in in, in March, you're you 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 developing at a at a at a rapid rate. You've obviously got a massively brilliant career that you've built and 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 grown now um, in time. And now you you, you you're expanding and, and developing that further. Tell me a bit about how 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 do you see sort of content? You know, this podcast is content. Um, yeah. doing those publications is content. How important is content now for you as a, let's say as a, a as a, I mean, you're a well-established guy, but also in terms of establishing your brand and so on. I think it's
1: essential because um, if, uh, it's a showcase of your opinion rather than you just putting your opinion out there. Um, and if you can create argument and conversation around things that you're interested in and that you're interested in for your clients, then, then great, keep going with it. The more you put out there, the better the understanding that, that your customers and your you know, your colleagues, etc., will have of, of you and how you are as business. I think that's pretty important. But the other thing that becomes really interesting in is that it's a it's an interesting new business tool that is always on when you might not be. So as the you know, as, as kind of opportunities globalise and people from different countries have access to us and other people, you know, if you can find out more about them and when they're off and whatever it might be, then then that's going to be pretty useful as you you know, kind of your content spreads around the world. So yeah, hopefully it's all a new business tool as well.
0: Excellent. Uh, so so I want to I want to give you the opportunity now um, as we as we come to a close to. to to tell us about about your company, what you can do what what you know, what, what's your ideal client look like? Um, and who, who would you like to talk to? Who would you like to sort of share your message and, and your work with?
1: Well, thank, thank you for that. So passion um, was set up in March 2022. Um, after observations that were made over the last couple of years about how uh, people's behavior had changed as consumers. We wanted to offer advertisers the, the ability to be able to use um, seasoned thinking um, and best practice thinking that had been developed over 20 plus years by the founders so that they had access to tools and insight that, that may not have been delivered to those particular industries that we, were, that we are servicing. Those industries are fashion, entertainment and leisure they typically been largely implementational planning delivered to them, but we wanted to go a step further back and deliver something more of a strategic approach. So with everything changing and with everything, everybody's behaviours changing over the, the pandemic years, we felt that the time was right to be able to offer that as a discreet and a unique service to advertisers. So if you're in fashion, entertainment and leisure and you want a slightly different perspective on how things can be done, then we're, we're here to talk.
0: Love to, I love that. So, so passion, fashion. um, I love the way you say a new media playbook for fashion, leisure, entertainment brands. Um, We thought it was time to do it differently,
1: Um, uh, and uh, it's all about putting the you know the the advertiser completely front and center.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and the passion again. It comes probably comes from your uh, from your Myers Briggs (laughs) as well, but. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah well, maybe but we we wanted to work with we wanted to work with brands um mm-hmm. and, and you know releases that, that we can get behind and genuinely believe in. you know I, I I don't particularly want to work with dog food or insurance or um you know categories that i I just I, I'm not interested in,
0: but I mean, quite frankly it's a, it's a it's a really fun and fascinating um space as an industry. so and it's constantly changing. So yeah, no absolutely. wonder no wonder so so passion.media is your right. is your yep. website so passion is p a s h n not .media how how would the how do people get hold of you adam how do, what's the best way for people to get hold of you
1: so the the, the very best way is is by phone um, my number is underneath my my profile on linkedin um, that'll be the thing that i always respond to immediately um, and then you know, if you drop us a line or whatever, you know, we're we're, we're here. But if it's yeah, you know, it's important to you, it'll be important to us. Give me a call.
0: Love it. Love the personal touch. Love love that that is not just a text message or a or a DM. It oh, is it's um it's a the phone, phone is always the best. I love it. I love it. Fantastic, Adam. Thank you very much. Fascinating talking to you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I do appreciate your your time and 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 the great insights you've you've shared with us.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dudley. I hope you found that useful. I, I really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you. Yes, no, I definitely enjoyed. It. Thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign you off, and I'm gonna gonna say goodbye to our audience. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Thanks everyone for joining us today and another episode of uh, of sort of our marketing leadership and and as part of the hundred days and beyond. Um, m a based uh uh, podcast but marketing leadership for me is 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 a space within um business growth business development and 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 the the development of um companies and and the engagement companies have with consumers with their supply chain and the multiple aspects of making business work and and the development of business thank you again for joining us please join us again on the next episode of of our marketing leadership fractional cmo marketing leadership um, which is a work stream of of the uh, MA space but uh, all the best see you on the next episode Bye bye